The following audio is from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. More information about Axe is available at axechurchleander.com. All right. Um, so yesterday I spent some time going through, I guess I don't really watch the news, but going through my feed and checking all of the reports of all the craziness that's been happening, happening throughout the world. I was looking at news articles and hearing reports and seeing videos, and I was like, this is, this happens too often, and every time it happens, it's awful. And I came across, like, I was like, okay, well, how do we define terrorism? How does the U.S. define terrorism? How do, how do people in general define terrorism? And I came across this definition. Terrorism is a use of violence and threats to intimidate or coerce especially for political purposes. And it's strange, but ever since I was a sophomore in high school and I was sitting in geometry class and the guy came over, the speaker, and said, okay, this is what's happening in New York right now. I mean, it's more and more normal for us to hear about terrorism or read about terrorism or look on Twitter and be like, oh my goodness, the world is crazy right now. Um, it's a normal thing for us. And we don't need to go into the geopolitical uh, ramifications of, of what happens or what's going to happen. But we do have a response as Christians. And there's a Christian thought leader that speaks to a lot of evangelicals. And, and he said, this is our response. We've got it up here. His name's Ed Stetzer. And he says, these are the three things we need to do. We need to pray. We need to love the hurting and this one's the hard one. We need to love our enemies. This is our response. Tuesday, I was teaching our confirmation class, and we were talking about the ways of uh, Jesus in a popular way of thinking versus um, Jesus' way of thinking. And it, our, our kind of lesson had two different columns, and it was like, okay, what does the world say about uh, when somebody is mean to you, and it's like, okay, it says, well, you get them back, because they got it coming to them, and then it's like, what does Jesus say about that, and he's like, well, turn the other cheek, and we don't hate our enemies, we love our enemies, and we pray for them, and someone was sitting across from me, and to the left, and she said, well, I don't really have enemies, and I'm like, you know, to be honest, I have people that irritate me or annoy me, but I don't have a lot of, like, I'm about to throw down a few enemies either, and that was Tuesday, and I, maybe terrorists aren't my personal enemy, but they attack things that I care about, um, and they attack us as Christians. And so in a, in a broader sense, there are some enemies that we have, and uh, it's hard to do this. It's hard to do this, especially when it's so constant, and it just becomes a normal part, and it's like, oh, where was it this time? So, Ed Stetzer and the Bible tell us we are to pray for our enemies. So, we pray for ISIS. We pray for Boko Haram, who singles out Christians to kill instead of just doing the broad stroke killing. We pray for terrorists throughout the world, and we pray for, for, for two things. We pray, one, that they repent, that they drop the weapons. And we pray, number two, that they meet Jesus. And that's hard. 
it's much easier to lash out in hate than it is to pray for them. So let's just take a little bit of time, and we're going to practice that because it is difficult. And if I were to see this, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to do that, but we're going to practice it right now. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are so many things that we don't understand, and we don't understand it when we see injustice or terrorism, and especially when we see violence. We pray for comfort for those families who have lost loved ones. We pray for healing for Paris and for the places in northern Nigeria, for the places throughout the world that are hurting right now. And we pray this, and it's hard to pray this, but we pray that you change the hearts of the people who commit these awful acts, that they may turn to you. Amen. Well, there's start off the day on that note. Um, we're in this series called The Story, and the story is a, a kind of broad landscape view of what's going on in the Bible. So right now we're in the middle of the New Testament. We did the Old Testament kind of before the summer, and now we're in the New Testament, and we're coming kind of to the end of it. By the end of this month, we're, we're about to start Advent, and we'll be done with the story about 30 weeks or whatever it's been. Uh, and this week we're talking about Paul. We talked about him last week, and we talked about kind of his conversion story, how he was on his way to Damascus when God blinded him and sent him in a new direction. And he asked him a question. He's like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And to really kind of think about that, I mean, if you think about Paul, and, or Saul, who became Paul, he was a terrorist. He was one that used violence and threats to intimidate or coerce for political purposes. So the author of over half of our New Testament was a terrorist. And we don't think about it, but, but if you look back to, to Acts I think it's six or seven. We see Paul for the first time. And what is he doing? He's, he's not holding the rocks that are getting thrown at Stephen. But he's like, hey, if you want to pick up a rock, I will gladly hold your coat. If you need to, like, work it out so that you can, you can do this to this Christian, I'll hold your coat. And that's when we first meet Paul, or Saul, now Paul. Um, he's a terrorist. He's going about his way, persecuting the followers of Jesus, and then the moment happens. Jesus gets a hold of him. And we heard about this last week, uh, that God changed Paul, that Paul was freed from being a terrorist, from being like the lead persecutor where they kind of sent him on missions, and he was asking to go on missions. So I want to stomp this out here, and then I'm going to stomp this out here in Damascus, and then I'm going to keep going. Like, that was his thing. I'm going to be the lead persecutor. Then God gets a hold of him and goes... And now he's the lead proclaimer. He went from terrorist, persecutor, to proclaimer. And, and what we missed between last Sunday and this story, if, Sunday, if you're following kind of the story narrative, is between Acts 9, where we were, and Acts 16, where we're at today, Paul has had a complete life transformation. He's gone on, in that kind of gap, he's gone on one multi-year, multi-city uh, missionary journey. And where we meet him today, he's on his second multi-year, multi-city missionary journey. And this is kind of his, uh, 
his MO, he walks with his crew into a synagogue where there's a Jewish following because he's like, hey, we'll meet the people that we know and then spread from there. He walks in, preaches, and says, all this stuff that you know about the Old Testament points to Christ. And all of that stuff points to Christ. And he's like, you need this, this bit, this Jesus. You need him to come and change your life. And he's got the story because he knows it. He lived it. He was good at it. And he's like, that needs to change so that you can have life. So you can be freed from that and freed to serve. So they'd go into the synagogues, they'd preach and teach, and then they'd stay there a while for certain cities, and then some that was a lot shorter because they were getting run out of town. They'd plant a church, and then they'd move on to the next city, and it was boom, boom, boom. It was kind of their, their MO. Their, they were just going. They were preach, stay, disciple people, plant city, move on, do it again. So when we get to uh, Acts 16, Paul has a couple people with him. He's got Silas who's kind of his new missionary partner. Uh, he has Timothy, which gets multiple books written about him later. He's kind of the young guy who he's training up because as Christians, we, we get trained and then we are discipled and then we disciple people younger than us. So Timothy's going with. And then he's also got Luke, who is the writer of Acts. So Luke and Acts are kind of one flowing narrative. And so Luke's there too. It says, when we were traveling, that's Luke saying, I'm here now, check this out. And so they're all the way, they've traveled around some cities, and they're to southeastern, what we call southeastern Europe right now. They're in Greece, in Philippi. And that's where we kind of land with our story today. Philippi was a Roman colony. It it didn't have a strong Jewish presence, and that's why they didn't say, uh, hey, they went to the synagogues. But they kind of followed the same pattern. So Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke and whoever else didn't get the shout-out, walk into town, and they go to start doing their business, and they go to where people went to pray. So they're going to where the the people go to pray, and this little girl walks up, right? And I kind of enjoy that bit of of the text where it says, she she was... I don't enjoy this part where she was possessed by a demon. But it's like Paul got so annoyed by this girl that he was like, I'm going to cast her demon out because it's annoying. But what she was saying was, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days. I mean, they're trying to do their thing. And this little girl comes. These men are servants of the Most High. They're going to proclaim to you salvation. And it's weird because it's a demon that's doing it. And commentators say that this type of demon, there's different types of demons, they're like, this type of demon is like a ventriloquist type of demon. So it's like a puppet. As a puppet, as a ventriloquist uses a doll for a puppet, this demon was using her voice. And the demon says the exact same thing that demons and Luke said to Jesus. They recognize, they know what's going on. They're like, in Luke 8, they say, this is the son of the most high. And Jesus sends out the demon. So they send out this demon, or, or Paul does, and it's this kind of, it's this moment where if I were a literary critic, I'd be like, oh, this is huge. You guys have to check this out because it's a review and a preview. 
the person kind of that's, that's telling the story, Luke, he's like, this demon knows what's going on. And, and Peter sent it out, or Paul sent it out. And it's like, these men are servants of the Most High. It kind of describes what they've been up to throughout the book of Acts. They've been going into cities, preaching, proclaiming. Paul, the lead proclaimer, going into cities, changing how they do things, planting churches, and moving on. And what the, what the voice, the ventriloquist spirit also does is it gives a preview. Hey, it's about to happen here again to the jailer. They're going to find salvation. And, and this, is, uh, this is really the movement of God. There's a person who's tied up in a mess, and God frees them. So Paul, the lead persecutor, tied up in a massive mess, becomes Paul, lead proclaimer, freed from persecution, freed to proclaim. Girl, possessed by a demon, that's pretty terrible, even if the demon's saying weird, true things about the whole spiritual nature of what's going on in that city. Freed from the demon, so the girl is freed from being oppressed and exploited by the slave owners. And now she's free to live. And obviously, if somebody's messing or meddling with your business, uh, you get upset. So the slave owners, they're not happy. And they are like, these two are, uh, we don't have any money anymore. So these two, we're going to find something wrong about you and, and bring you to court. So they take their day in court and they say, these two Jews are not fit to do these customs and these practices in our Roman city. They made that pretty apparent. They're like, you know, you took our money, but we're going to bring race into this because why not? And um, it'll differentiate you from us even more. So they bring them in front of the magistrates, and they say, here are the charges against them. They're meddling with our business. They're not meant to be here, which, asterisk in the side corner, Paul and Silas, Roman citizens, so the rest of the story is kind of ridiculous, but they, they beat them, and you got to think, when they, the Romans were good at this, Roman peace means uh, you're with us or you're against us, and when you're against us, we will make you be with us due to submission, so the Romans are good at beating people, and uh, they beat Paul and Silas, and then throw them in jail, but it's not just any jail. It's the inner cell of the jail. It's like in the heist movie when they have the guy with like the mask and he's all like bonded, bound up and everything. They're like, this is a serious situation. So they put him in the inner cell of the jail and there's just these little details. Like they put their feet in stocks. So what that means was the Romans were good at beating people, killing people. We see that in the cross. But then also having it not be comfortable. The inner cell would have footstocks. The outer cell might just be a normal kind of open area, but the inner cell, your feet would go in the stocks, and they were built in such a way that they would press into your feet. They'd press into your feet, and so it was almost a form of torture. Paul, the persecutor, comes Paul, the proclaimer. Paul, the terrorist, comes Paul, the tortured. Real pretty stuff, right? So midnight, they're not sleeping. 
Could have been because of the feet. Could have just been because, hey, this is what you do when you're in jail. I don't know. Uh, and they're praying and singing hymns to God. And the entire prison was listening to them. They're sitting there. They should be screaming because, oh, my feet hurt, and this isn't fair, and I'm a Roman, and this, you're oppressing my rights. But they're singing hymns and praying to God. The whole prison knows it. And at midnight, suddenly, there's an earthquake. Their foot shackles unbound. All the cell doors come open. And who goes nuts? The jailer. He wakes up. He looks around. A jailer would be a former uh, Roman kind of guard, military person. And so he knows this is not a good situation. All of the doors are open, so I didn't just lose those two that I put in the special cell. I lost everyone. And the punishment for that is death. So out of fear, fear of, of losing all of these prisoners and then knowing what's coming next, he pulls out a sword. And he's like, there's only one thing to do. He puts it in his hand, and out of fear, he's about ready to end his life, to commit suicide. But Paul speaks up. In that moment where it's dark, and they're in the cell, and there's fear on this guy, Paul speaks out. He cries out, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. Don't do it. This is the movement of God. Paul was freed so that he could proclaim. The jailer had all sorts of fear in his life. He was ready to end it. And Paul, with one cry, freed him. And the jailer still probably has this fear, and he's like, I don't know what's going on. You two are crazy. I've heard you praying and singing. But he goes into their cell, and it says he crouches, he trembles in fear. He says, sirs, what do I do to be saved? He knows when, when faced with death, the jailer knows what the most important things are. And they say, well, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. It's the movement of God. Fear eventually turns into joy. Death for the jailer right here turns into life, not only in that moment, but life for his family and life ongoing. It's, uh, it's amazing to kind of see how the turn of events goes, because then they celebrate. The fear became joy when the jailer took him up to the house. And maybe the same person that inflicted the wounds washed the wounds. And then Paul and Silas washed their lives their lives and the lives of their family. Wash them clean in baptism. He didn't deserve it. You don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. But it's the gift that God gives to us. And this is the movement of God. From this to that. From bondage to freedom. And it's Paul's journey, and this is what he does the entire time. If you want kind of, we're in the story, and it talks about if you're going by chapter by chapter, this section is Paul's mission. And Paul's mission is this. He goes to people, frees them, and frees them to free other people. And then he goes on to the next city and does it again and again 
and again. And it's Paul's journey, but it's also our journey. God uses normal people to be part of his plan. It wasn't everyone, not everyone was a terrorist that becomes a proclaimer, but he uses normal people. And Paul, let's get this straight, Paul wasn't perfect after his conversion. He still had junk in his life. We're not perfect after we become Christian or as we live the Christian life. No, we're not perfect, but we play a part in this. Um, when I was in St. Paul, Minnesota, I was doing campus ministry after I graduated from college. And I was sitting in my office, I think it was a Monday, and this girl walked in, and she said, hey, can, I, can we talk? And I'd seen her around, but I didn't really know her. And I was like, well, that is literally what I get paid to do, like sit and talk with you students. So I would love to talk with you. And so she's like, can we not do it here? Like, can we not talk here? Because it was in an office. wasn't the most, like, comfortable setting. So I'm like, yeah, let's go for a walk. So we're walking around campus, and we kind of land in the coffee shop. And she's like, I want to sit over here, not by people. And I'm like, okay. We're all in eyesight, so that's cool. And she's like, um, I've got this boyfriend. And we've been dating, and we have these kind of, like, lines. So, hey, we're not going to cross this physical line. And... Um, she kind of looked at me, and I'm like, okay. I'm like, I know where this is going. Uh, and she said, well, Saturday, two days ago, um, we're, we're hanging out. We end up making out, and we sleep together. And I'm like, okay. How, I'm like, how are you doing with that? And she's like, well, you know, I, we, we really, like, we, we had these plans. We didn't want this to happen. And so I click into kind of guy strategy mode, and I'm like, all right, here we go. So when you're on a date next time, maybe if you're in a dorm room, maybe crack the door, or maybe go on a date with your friend, or if it's 11.45 and one movie stopped, don't start up another movie because nothing good's going to happen if you have these kind of plans, and you're watching a movie till 2 o'clock, and no one's watching a movie at 2 o'clock, let's be honest. And so I click into that, and her face is just it's just not clicking. And I'm like, is this a gender thing? Did I miss something? Because I've had this talk with guys, and it's gone much better, much better. And she's like, Barrett, I'm supposed to get baptized in three weeks. And I'm like, oh. It was a completely different thing. She didn't need a strategy in her life. She needed a savior in her life. She didn't need to know, okay, I shouldn't, after 12 o'clock, I should end the date so I don't sleep with my boyfriend again. No, she needed a savior. She was going down this path, and she's like, I believe in Christ, and now this has happened, and, and what do I do now? And I, It had been like 45 minutes, and I'm like, some campus minister I am. I missed, like, the, Jesus loved you, you're forgiven. I missed that, really? Really? I'm like, Terrible job today, a terrible job. But I was like, and she, she, she asked me, she's like, can I still get baptized? And I'm like, oh. she just handed it to me on a plate. And I'm like, you need to get baptized more now than ever. Because your Savior loves you despite of what happened 48 hours ago and despite of your plans. And I was like, you run to that, you embrace it, and you celebrate it. Because your God celebrates you. 
and you're sorry for your sin. I, like, I know that. And I was like, you're forgiven. And she started crying, and I started getting misty because it's not cool to, to start bawling in the coffee shop where you work. <laughs> and it was, it was a really amazing moment. She didn't need a strategy. She needed a savior. She had a spiritual and then mental and physical. It was eating her away, bondage, and God freed her from that and freed her to live a life. If I know it's easy to hear that story, and you're like, but you're the pastor. Of course you can say that. Um, yes, that's true. But if you don't think it's for you, if there's like an inner cell where there's stocks that are pushing into your feet or pushing into your heart, then y- you need to be freed from that too. Whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you need to be freed from that as well. That's where sin digs deep and it's then it comes in becomes guilt we need to be freed from our guilt if someone else has shamed you and put shame in your life you need to be freed from that as well it's the movement of god he takes us as his people and takes us from bondage and puts it into freedom we're about to celebrate a meal that is a meal of healing and a meal of freedom it's not a meal that we, we check a box, but it's a meal of assurance that he loves us and he forgives us and we're okay with him. One of those people that uh, knew they were okay in a modern day type of Paul type of person that I knew was a girl named Hannah. And I met her when I was doing campus ministry in St. Louis through her boyfriend, Will, and Will and I were tight. Like, he was cool. It wouldn't have to be campus ministry. We would just hang out to hang out because he was awesome. So I'm talking to his, him and his girlfriend, and we're all swimming at our place, and um, Hannah says, oh, yeah, I'm starting this club. It's called IJM, International Justice Mission. And I'd heard about it before, and I was like, oh, do they have, like, chapters? And she's like, yeah, I'm starting a chapter. It's about, um, I have a heart for people who are getting trafficked, kids that are getting trafficked. And she's like, these little kids, much like the slave girl, are being exploited either for cheap labor or sexual slavery or any number of things. And she's like, this, this is what I'm going to do. I'm like, how do you even, like, what, what starts that? And she's like, well, Barrett, I, I saw the pain in the world and I wanted to do something about it. I'm like, you are 21, 22, of course you do, because you're all activists. She's like, no, seriously, like, I, I saw the pain, I wanted to do something about it, and this is a small way I can bring awareness to this on my campus. And now she's living in New York, working for UNICEF, try, UNICEF, trying to end this issue that we have going on. And when I think about that, and I think about what she said, it was, I saw the pain, and I want to do something about it. So when we check our feeds or whatever, we're not going to go hop across uh, the world. I'm not booking a flight to Paris today, but my Christian response to that is to pray, and it's something I can do from right here. See the pain, do something about it, pray about it. So, if you're looking for something to pray for, pray for the families of those who have been murdered. 
pray for peace and for safety and for justice and for those working on that, both here in our midst and also around the world. And then this is the tough one. Pray for the terrorists. Half of our New Testament was written by a former terrorist, and he became the biggest proclaimer and accelerant of the church that we have because he met Jesus. So pray that they meet Jesus, that they repent, and that those people are freed. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for showing us um, Paul's life, your servant Paul's life, and for the pattern that he, that he had. And it's your pattern, that you take people that are in bondage and you free them. Free those deep inner cells of our lives that have sickness in them. Free us. And then send us off to free other people. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Axe Church in Leander, Texas. Feel free to share this message with others and stay connected with us at axechurchleander.com.